Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. And that was the fallout on Monday Night Football. But to spin it positive here on a Tuesday, Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, presented by Progressive Insurance. Today is the start of Giving Tuesday, the start of the week. And if you're able, we understand everybody is under some restrictions this year. It could be economic, it could be social, it could be anything. Um, if you're able to join us today in supporting the V Foundation for Cancer Research, we would love if you went to v.org slash donate now. Just a reminder, Jim Valvano, one of the most inspirational figures in sports history, certainly in college basketball, giving an SB speech for the ages shortly after being diagnosed with cancer at the age of 46, dying at the age of 47, was the maestro behind one of the greatest upsets in NCAA tournament history when his North Carolina Wolfpack knocked off Phi Slamma Jamma in Houston in 1983. He gave that speech in 1993. And here in 2020, we are remembering his legacy as we always do at ESPN. There has been more than $250 million that has been donated by you, the fan, the listener, and all of that money, 100% of your donation has gone to cancer research. No overhead. Every penny. If you can give $5, please give $5. They'd be thankful for every single penny, and all of it will go to try to fight cancer. Again, v.org slash donate now. And that is the start of V Week. It's Giving Tuesday. Fellas, let's go back to Monday. Monday Night Football. It's easy to pin all of this on Carson Wentz and ask, where is Jalen Hurts? Something that Jay's been asking for for weeks. Jalen Hurts did get out there for two snaps. Yesterday, six-yard pass to Alshon Jeffrey with, coincidentally, Carson Wentz split wide on that play and then one particular handoff. But ESPN NFL Monday night analyst Brian Greasy, who was there at the stadium, saw the game with his own two eyes, said, listen, man, you got to put some of this on Wentz. But the five guys in front of Wentz, they got some culpability, too. I think it's a confidence issue, you know, and I think it's 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 an accumulation of a lot of bad outings for not just Carson, but for this offense in general. Everybody just wants to bypass the offensive line. I don't. I'm sorry. Like, if you don't have time to sit back there in the pocket, then it begins to affect you. And even when you do have a clean pocket then, Scott, you're wondering, am I going to get hit in the back because I have, you know, a guy in Jordan Mailata that's playing left tackle. It's only started five games. Uh, so it begins to creep into your head. And then the play calling starts to get conservative. So it's, it's yes, Carson Wentz needs to play better. Doug Peterson needs to coach better. The offensive line needs to play better. The, the management and the front office here in Philadelphia need to get better talent around Carson Wentz. I still believe in Carson Wentz, and you, you might mock me for that. I think he's a good quarterback. He's proven that he can be a good quarterback when you have the pieces around him. Brian Greasy with Scott Van Pelt after Monday Night Football last night on SportsCenter. Key, you think you just agree with Brian. You disagree with Brian's premise here. Well, it, it is on Carson Wentz. It's on Doug Peterson as well. But you cannot make any excuses. And I understand Brian's a quarterback, and that's what quarterbacks do. They're going to protect each other. I mean, that's just that's in his wheelhouse. But you're holding on to the ball. You're not letting the ball go. You've you, you got to let the ball go. You've got to give these guys opportunities to catch the football. You can't hold on to it and take a sack. Yes, we know that the offensive line has some – deficiencies, that they've had a mixed match of offense alignment in and out of the lineup all year long. We understand that. But when I call a play, when you are upright, you're still selling the ball over people's heads. Mm -hmm. You're still throwing it in the dirt into the third row. You're still throwing interceptions. I mean, it's just, it's factual. It, It really truly is. Yes, Carson Wentz has certainly 
had some bright spots in his young NFL career, but I would say he had more negative spots than bright spots considering the type of money that they gave him to be the leader, to be the guy. Mm. You know, it, it, it's interesting. We didn't watch the game last night, and you look at just the sheer stats. You're like, oh, Carson went through for two touchdowns. You know, uh, one interception was bad. It was the wrong route. We talked about that earlier, right? But still, the last touchdown was sheer luck. I mean, it was a Hail Mary pass in the fourth quarter with 12 seconds left to go in the game pretty much. I just don't all, I don't put all the blame on Carson Wentz. Granted, 15 interceptions, leads the league, not having a good year. To what extent, Key, do we have to give the blame to Doug Peterson as well with the way he's handled this whole quarterback debacle between Jalen Hurts, Carson Wentz. Jalen Hurts comes in last night, gets one snap, throws a completion, then gets snagged, taken out. Carson Wentz comes back in. I watch him earlier in the second, in the second half before we get to the fourth quarter, burns two timeouts, Challenges a flag. It was the wrong challenge. It just feels like he, the way he handles all the questions about him being kind of in flux about the quarterback position. And I know he won a Super Bowl, but I mean, if they don't get to five wins, man, you're, you're going to start talking about him like he's on the hot seat. Like, when are you going to start giving him some of the responsibility and putting this on his shoulders instead of just always deflecting and giving it to Carson Wentz? Well, it, it is, it, there is bad coaching that's going on, both on the defensive side with, with, with Jim Schwartz as the defensive coordinator and Doug Peterson as the offensive coordinator slash head coach. There is some blame to go around. But Carson Wentz is the guy who won, who got paid $100-plus million to be the guy. Doug Peterson was the head coach that won you a Super Bowl three years ago, despite who was in the cockpit leading the team. So there's blame on both sides. But if I'm giving a guy $100-plus million and he's gotten 15 interceptions, because if there's other quarterbacks in this league and they're putting that type of performance out there, they're gone. The coach is, no, the coach isn't going to get the blame. It's going to be the quarterback. I mean, that's just it's both, what it Keith. is. It's no. both. No, it's man. Both. No. What do you mean, no? They're not going to get the blame. Why the not? Coach, the coach, because the coach won the Super Bowl three years ago. It's three years ago. It doesn't matter, though. I did a lot of things three years ago. It doesn't it matter, It doesn't affect though, me right Jay now. We've gone through a pandemic. It feels like it's been 20 years ago. He ain't going to get the bulk of the blame. Carson Wentz is going to get the bulk of the blame. I understand, but he, just he can't just – Carson Wentz just can't be the scapegoat every single time. I mean, me. Carson Wentz was throwing on fourth and 11 a play drawn up by the head coach. Yeah, but that right. but it, but it, the head coach has got the head coach as well as his assistants have got to get the receivers to be on the same page and run the right routes. There's no question about it. But if you're willing, to, if you want to take Carson Wentz off the fire and put him on the, on the, on the ice cooler, you can do that. But when you're watching the games and you're watching holding onto the ball, patting the ball to sleep like a baby, sitting there going like this, you can't do that. You got to let it go. What's the point of drafting Jalen Hurts in? Why even draft him in the first place in the second round? Don't you, well, you draft need a backup him, quarterback? I but don't you draft him that high? You can get a backup quarterback a lot later, can't you? Well, don't you draft him that high? Depends on how you value the pick. Well, don't you draft him that high in case something goes wrong with the quarterback that's been injury prone before that maybe doesn't play well that you can insert him into the line and say, "Hey, like I just that why not even issue. bench Carson Wentz one game to see how he reacts? We got into this argument. I, think it was I don't like argue. Week five I have conversations. Yeah, we Jake. got into this conversation, <laughs> Keyshawn, go. where I was like, "Why not bench him one game? See how he responds to that." And you said, "Well, you know, Jay, sensitive quarterbacks. He paid a lot of money. My thing is, if give Jalen Hurts an opportunity, what's the worst that can happen? 
He plays well. Well, I'm going to tell you the worst thing that's going to happen is you're going to hear, well, not even the worst thing. You're, what, you, what you're going to hear is Doug Peterson say he didn't have an offseason with us. He didn't have a preseason with us. We, we see him in practice. We're not ready to do that yet. It's not time to do that yet. And much like Sal Palantonio was on with us earlier, $59 million salary cap hit, man. They're not getting ready to play with that. I understand what you're saying and what I would do and what you would do. I would bench him, but it ain't my money. So it's easy for me to say. If I'm thinking like the organization, if I'm in the organization, I'm looking at it like the organizations look at it. You're not going to admit wrong. It's just... But that, that, I would, they, if they, I was McKee, Eagles, this is like if, I, if I was running the Eagles, I would have a serious conversation about getting Jalen Hurts some reps and seeing what he's capable of doing in certain packages for sure. But they're not going to go away from Carson Wentz right now. They're just not. It's too late. Isn't one of the most? If you was going to go away from him, you'd have did it a long time ago. One of the most powerful things you can ever do in this world is admit when you are wrong and just own it. Yeah, trust me, my wife, my wife what, tells me this what? all the time. Yes. That's but, all I hear Jay, about, right? But, and when you own it, you're like, Jay, damn, that was that was but, easier but, than what I thought. But, Jay, much like I would say, and I've said on the show many times, nobody in sports as an executive is going to admit. And nobody in our business that are executives are going to admit to making a mistake. They're just not going to do it. It happens every single week, and you're watching a mistake in real time. Have you seen them admit to it? I, have you ever seen a coach I say, know, well, yeah, we made a mistake. We probably shouldn't have gave after a guy a while, 100 he, million. After a while, if you're taking the same route to work and you're always late for work, but Jay, why take we, the same route? We're not talking take a about, different route. Jay, we're not talking about work, we, We're talking about common sense, Key. That's not what I'm the, talking not, about. Not in the sports world. Ugh. When have you ever – you've covered college basketball, you've covered the NBA, you covered Major League Baseball, football, you name it, soccer, whatever, tennis, you so-called proclaimed golf, all that other stuff. <laughs> proclaimed golf. <laughs> have you ever seen an executive – just tell me yes or no. We made a mistake, we should have never drafted him, and we wasted our 100-plus million dollars. I, I mean, not maybe the 100-plus million dollar part because that's, that's a big mistake. But, I mean, I watched the Eagles bench Donovan McNabb at the end. It don't matter when no, it. No, it's at key. the end. It Wait, was at the out. end, Z. This goes back to it's our at argument. The end. I hate this world that we live in when everybody gets a damn trophy, man. If you're not performing, sit your tail down and let somebody else who gives my I, team the best chance to I, win. I, I agree with you. I'm just telling you it's not going to happen because of where he's at, where the money is. Sal was on the show, a dude that covers Philly from one end. Was it the South End? Philly? South End or something like that? Whatever. Broad South Street, Street Broad, Broad Street, Street, South Street. He covers the whole thing. He covered the Sylvester Stallone, boxing, Rocky. He did it all. Hey, yeah. <laughs> Philly people going to hate you for that. What, but what's Rocky Balboa? What? He's, it's just not going to happen, Jay. They, they're not going to bench Carson Wentz in favor of Jalen Hurts for Jalen Hurts to go on a magical run, and then all of a sudden you look up, and Jalen Hurts is the starting quarterback with fifty some million dollars on his book. What if he? What if you do bench him and he takes him on a run? Good. Uh, now what you gonna do with Carson? That's your problem. Gotta deal with it. They not man. They not swallowing fifty plus million dollars. So wait, you're telling me that Eagles fans and the Eagles organization, if Jalen Hurts goes on a run and they win the NFC East, well, that would be two games. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't look like Carson Wentz gonna be able to do that. 
But you can't. And you still find a way to do that. I know it doesn't answer long-term solutions, not right? It do doesn't it. answer long-term problems not with Carson Wentz. And, but it's also like that's why you drafted But Jalen you're Hurts. not going to put me in a stress position in an organization as a head coach and general manager. If I play Jalen Hurts and he wins two or three games and win the division, now I got to answer and admit that I gave a guy a whole bunch of money that I can't move, I can't get rid of, I don't know what to do with. And I got Jalen Hurts who is saying, well, I just did this for y'all. Well, Here's a perfect example. Isn't he already in a stressful no, situation? No, check this out, though. Check this out. So, Sean King, who I played with in Tampa. Old quarterback. Old okay, quarterback. Okay. Took over for Trent Dilfer in the middle of the year. Led the Bucks to the NFC Championship game. Trent was on the back end of his contract. They wind up, the, that offseason, they wind up cutting Trent and making Sean the starter. But he was on the back end of his deal. So it made it a little easier to do, opposed to, and at that time, Sean might have been a better quarterback for that moment. But it was easy to do. $50-some million, it's not easy to do, man. It's just uh, not it's easy. It's a hard pill to swallow. There's I understand. No doubt about it. The best way I would sum this up is we welcome in our next guest, Chris Canty, the Super Bowl champion, host of a radio show that follows ours on 98.7 in New York, ESPN 98.7 in New York, DiPietro Canty. And Rothenberg, Dave Rothenberg, and the Great Islanders goaltender Rick DiPietro. All right, so Jay is essentially saying it's a common sense decision with Jalen Hurts, and Key is saying it's a dollars and cents decision <laughs> with Carson Wentz. Common sense versus dollars and cents. Good morning, Chris. I know you're getting ready for your show. Weigh in on this debate. Where do you fall with the fellas' split between Wentz and Hurts? Well, you got to follow the money, like Keyshawn is saying. They're not going to put Carson Wentz on the bench. First of all, Carson Wentz is ahead of Jalen Hurts, and he should be. It's his fifth year in the league. Jalen Hurts is a rookie. So in terms of the X's and O's and, you know, football IQ, Carson Wentz gives you a better chance to win games. And the reality is the organization is married to him at least through the 2021 season. They can't make a move based on Carson Wentz's contract until 2022 at the earliest. So the reality is they're going to have to dance with the girl that brought him, which is Carson Wentz. And it's unfortunate that he's not playing better because you're in a very winnable division. You're talking about the NFC East being the worst division in pro football in over 30 years. And the fact that this team is is behind the Washington football team and the New York football giants, it's a sad state of affairs for the Eagles. Wait, Chris, so can you imagine if, you, if you're saying that you have to stick with him for another year and he continues to play this way? I mean, eventually Doug Peterson is going to be gone, right? No, Doug Peterson's ain't going to. He won a Super Bowl in 2017. That's Where's he going? That's what I'm saying, though. That's he, what I'm trying to tell Chris, that's what I'm trying to tell This is not on Doug Peterson. I don't understand why everybody wants to blame everyone but Carson Wentz. Sometimes the answer that we're looking for is right in front of our face. And with respect to Brian Greasy, I couldn't disagree with his perspective more. Because last night there was no excuse for Carson Wentz's misses. Like, it's not Doug Peterson's fault that Carson Wentz on, missed on the RPO to Greg Ward or the seven cut to, to Dallas Goddard in the first half with Bobby Wagner in coverage or the throw to Goddard in the end zone midway through the fourth quarter. That's not on Doug Peterson. So why That's are you on Carson sticking Wentz. with the quarterback that just can't do anything better. right? Did Chris I, I, I understand. Say, I, follow I, the money? I understand man. that you're saying follow the money. But then you're saying, all right, so I'm following the money. I'm just going to commit to mediocrity for the next year and a half, and we'll just deal with it. Hopefully we'll just settle can... with being horrible. No, Hopefully no, J.J., listen, here's what I'm Talk saying. Jalen Hurts is not ready. Jalen Hurts is not ready to take over as your starting quarterback. Like You can try to throw him in the lineup, and you can hope for a spark, and I think to a degree that's what the Eagles organization is doing. 
But he's not rated. J- Jalen Hurts does not present the best opportunity for you to win games right now in a very winnable division. Now, will that be the case in 21? We don't know. Now, if Carson Wentz continues to trend in the direction that he's going, you'll probably see Jalen Hurts sooner rather than later. But in terms of them being able to move off of Carson Wentz, they can't do anything right now because of his contract. Always follow the money. Speaking of following the money, not big money spent for Joe Judge to be the head coach of the New York Giants, but they're sitting right there pretty to steal this division in the NFC East. Is Joe Judge in the conversation, which just sounds a little weird to me, in the conversation, though, for Coach of the Year? No. No, and I love what Joe Judge is doing from a culture standpoint with the Giants. You saw how he handled the Golden Tate situation a few weeks back. He had to make the uncomfortable move with getting rid of Mark Colombo as the offensive line coach, and that group has been trending in the right direction the last several weeks. But Joe Judge is a no-nonsense type of coach, and he's let it be known that it's going to be about what's in the best interest of the team first. And the New York Giants could use a little little, uh, toughness coming off of the Ben McAdoo, Pat Shermer era of things. So I like the direction that the Giants are going in, but I'm not going to put him into coach of the year status. I mean, you're talking about a four-win team. So I I just think when we start talking about coach of the year and who deserves that award – We need to talk about the Mike Tomlins of the world, people like that. Those are the individuals that should be in consideration for Sean McDermott and what he's done with the Buffalo Bills. Like people like that should be in coach of the year conversations, not Joe Judge. So even if they even if they somehow get to eight and eight and win the division or something weird like that and Given the fact that they've been playing, <laughs> come on, Chris, really don't do tough. my team that Get dirty. Eight, don't, do, don't do Key, my team got, that dirty, Key, Chris. Key, come on now, beat a team with a winning record all season. I, I, look, hey, look, <laughs> you hey, can only Chris, play the teams in front of you, Chris. You can only play the teams. <laughs> winners and winners and win. I, that's what I like to say. Zubin actually, in fact, uh, Zubin thought I was halfway nuts when they were one and seven. I said they're gonna win the division and make the playoffs. Zubin looked at me like I had frogs on my face. But let me ask you. Let me ask you this: How do they respond? if Daniel Jones is not able to go as they continue to make this playoff push? Well, I mean, I expect them to respond the way that they have all season Anytime they've got guys out of the lineup. And I know the quarterback position is different, but Joe Judge has had this team competitive throughout the year. I mean, every game that they've played, save one, which I think was week three against the 49ers, has been a close game, a fourth quarter game. So I would expect that this team is going to be competitive, and they got a really good defense. Somebody that people aren't talking enough about is Patrick Graham, their defensive coordinator, the job that he's done, being able to manufacture pressure, being able to have a defense that's capable of creating a lot of ball disruption. He's done a really good job with this defense based on the personnel that they have. So I would expect that that defense, combined with the running game with Wayne Goldman, would keep them in a lot of games, even if Daniel Jones is compromised or they've got to turn to Colt McCoy. But I don't expect that they're going to be on the winning end of those games. CeCe, who wins the NFC East? (sighs) <sighs> I, I, listen, man, this is this is a tough question to answer, but I, I, I honestly think that it, it's going to be determined by whether or not Daniel Jones is going to be healthy enough to be able to do the things that we've seen him do when this offense has started to find an identity. That is being being a part of the running game with the quarterback runs and, and the, uh, the zone read scheme and being able to do that. If Daniel Jones is healthy enough to be able to be a threat to run the football and to be able to extend the downs in the passing game, then I would feel good about saying that the Giants are going to win this division. But it doesn't look like that based on the initial reports on his hamstring. So I would probably lean toward the Philadelphia Eagles or the Washington football team because both of them have winnable games at the end of the season in Week 16 and 17. 
Chris, on the way out the door in our last minute, they always call it in sports for the fellas that played like Key and Jade, the get-right game. We got to get out there and make sure we take care of business. The Seahawks had the worst defense in the NFL hands down coming into last night's game, and they got right. What can that do as a former defensive stud yourself? What can that do, understanding the quality of competition last night, what can that do moving forward for a team? Well, it builds confidence. Confidence comes from demonstrated performance. If if you go out there and you do it in a game, then you're just going to believe that you can replicate that type of performance. Now, that Seahawks defense has been trending in the right direction the last three weeks. I mean, you look at their performance against the Rams, even though it was an L, you know, it was under 400 total yards allowed. You look at their performance against the Cardinals, they were at 315 in total yards allowed. And then last night they held the Eagles to 250 total yards. So it's, it's moving in the right direction as they're getting guys healthy. Jamal Adams is back. They traded for Carlos Dunlap. He's getting acclimated to that scheme. So, This defense is going to improve, and that's exactly what they need to do going into December football. I feel like the Seahawks are one of those teams that are going to be hitting their stride at the right time. Interesting. All right, Chris, we'll get you ready. You are about 39 minutes away from hitting the air on 98.7 in New York. Thanks for the perspective this morning. Appreciate you guys having me on. All right, see. That's the Super Bowl champion, Chris Canty, who joined us on the Shell Pennzoil performance line. Pennzoil synthetic motor oils made from natural gas gives you unbeatable engine protection. The proof is in the Pennzoil based on sequence 4A wear test using SAE 5W30. On the way, there are more than 1,700 players on NFL rosters this year, and all of them have had to think or deal with the coronavirus. We'll talk to the guy that gives every single one of those guys the advice they need to get through the season next on ESPN Radio. The show does indeed go on. It's a pleasure to be joined this morning by Demoris Smith. He is, as I mentioned, the executive director of the National Football League Players Association, known, of course, as the NFL PA. Demoris, good morning. You had written a piece in Sports Illustrated in July and essentially said in the piece about the pandemic and how you were going to rep the players, quote, we know that the NFL has the right to set reporting dates, open the season, and close the season in the same way that any business owner has this right. But as you know, everything is a partnership, the owners and the players, you represent the latter. So what conversations have you had with the Steelers and the Ravens, their rosters, their players regarding this game continuing to move? For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome. So you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. Hey, well, first of all, good morning and happy holidays. Uh, good morning. Here to talk to you guys. 
Um, and you know, to answer your question directly, we stay in touch with our players. Um, as you can imagine, this year uh, we've probably had more conversations with the league, local governments, federal and state um, officials, um, and, and a bevy of uh, some of the best experts in the world, um, not only trying to put a game on, but trying to do it in a way that keeps our players safe, and equally important uh, to keep the community safe. So there really isn't a moment when we're not in contact um, with our players and, and a group of stakeholders um, who have to have the interest of our players in mind um, and our community and the business support. D, why are the Ravens and the Broncos situations being treated differently? Right, because the facts are different. And you know, sometimes I think we live in a world where facts don't matter anymore. Um, they actually do. Um, the Denver situation was a decision to um, isolate players who were verified to be high-risk, close contacts um, to prevent a spread of the virus. So that, if you think about it that way, that was a decision that we've made, and basically the, the parameters of that decision were made according to protocols that we wrote, um, the union wrote, and, and along with the National Football League. So that's a prevention model. When we move games or we suspend games or we are making decisions about whether a game is going to be played – that is a situation where we know that a virus, uh, that the virus has, um, that there's been an outbreak, and you are not so much in a prevention mode, but you're in a containment mode. So the reason why we make decisions about when will a certain game be played, and you hear both the league and the NFLPA say that it is going to be determined by um, the number of positive tests, who tested positive, um, whether there were other high-risk close contacts. When we are looking at a situation, a containment situation, uh, that's, a, that's a scenario where we're talking about whether or not a game is going to be played and when it can be moved. And we play that game after we reach a comfort level that the outbreak has been contained. Why does there seem to be such hesitancy on moving or taking a look at moving into a Week 18 situation if this continues? But, there really isn't a hesitancy at all. Um, the, the question becomes, if, you, um, if our doctors, if our researchers, if our um, infectious disease um, uh, people and the, the folks who, who run football operations at both the league and the NFL Players Association believe that we have contained the virus um, to a point where the game can safely be played, at a time when the players are physically prepared to play it, then the decision should be to play the game. If we are in a world where we believe that we have not contained the virus, that we do not know the extent to which other people are infected, that's a game that you want to move to week 18. Um, and it becomes simply a question of, should we um, play a game where we believe that we have reached containment knowing that we might have a situation next week where you have to move several games to week 18. Mm. So we keep that, um, that option in our pocket. If we um, are in a position where we have not reached containment and there will not be a hesitancy to move a game to week 18, if we believe that we haven't reached containment. 
Demore Smith, uh, NFLPA Executive Director, joining us here on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. D, let me ask you this. A forfeiture by any team would obviously mean that both teams don't get paid, and, and I'm sure there's some major involvement on your part uh, in those conversations if there's a postponement or consolation or any forfeiture whatsoever. Have you had any of those conversations at all with the league? We have, and, and those conversations are ongoing. Um, you know, we are one of the few businesses, um, um, and, and this is just a, uh, I'll just tell you right now, a naked shout-out to the people who deserve it. We're, we're not an essential business. Um, we, we've tried to structure football around can we keep our players safe, can we put on um, a game our guys want to play, or certainly our fans want to see it. Um, and we've structured the, the collective bargaining agreement uh, this year. But, you know, let's not forget that the real people um, who are fighting on the front lines are our doctors, our nurses, our, our first responders. Um, and, and those are a lot of people who are working under tough circumstances who, who aren't getting paid that much to begin with. And we certainly know that there's literally hundreds of um, millions of people out of work. So, you know, Keyshawn, we're going to work to make sure that um, things are fair for our players. Um, we'd like to see a, a scenario that if a game is forfeited um, and, and we can determine that, that a non-offending team um, um, wasn't at fault, we, we would love to try to figure out a way to make sure that those guys get paid. And we'll continue to have those conversations with the league. But every now and then, I just try to keep things in perspective um, in our world and in our country. And we're blessed to be able to be involved with a great game. And, and our guys are getting paid um, their full salaries. Um, and we'll try to make sure that um, everything continues in a fair way. Mm-hmm. Mars, with that being said, what would it take to actually have a forfeit happen? Well, going back to the scenario um, – you know, that I mentioned earlier, let's come up with a hypothetical scenario where it's Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and we are not convinced that the virus has been contained on a team where you have continuous uh, verified positives um, all the way through Saturday night. That would be a scenario where we would not only worry about um, the infection spreading uh, wildly on one side of the football, we would be concerned about the team that is playing that team. Um, and imagine a conversation where, you know, team A, there's an outbreak. They're going to play team B and team B says, well, have you controlled um, or do we believe that we've reached containment um, for the virus? That would probably be a game that we would want to move to a later date um, after we had reached some sort of containment of the virus. Wow. How much discussion have you guys had about there potentially being a playoff bubble similar to the way MLB held out their playoffs? Yeah, look, this is a novel and emerging virus. And um, people have said that a thousand times, and, and I've tried to make sure that our players understand it and our fans understand it. When we say novel, it is a virus that, that research uh, uh, researchers and, and infectious disease experts have never seen before. Um, when we say it's evolving, um, the way in which the virus has, is mutating, the way in which our community reacts to that, it is a changing scenario um, all the time. So when you take those two realities, 
Um, you certainly plan for it like we did back in, in April, May, June, and, and July. Um, you plan for something that can be modified, something that can adapt uh, to what our scenarios are. So a quick answer on the, the playoff bubble is it may depend on where we are in the National Football League, but where we are in the country um, and specific places in the country on the outbreak. For example, um, our positivity rate up until this point overall is still less than 1%. Less than 1%. So um, when you look at our overall numbers, I think our positivity rate is point, uh, 0.88. Um, our positivity rate this week um, overall was, I think, 1% for players. We're looking at jurisdictions like Santa Clara that has a positivity rate of, of 3%. And, and places in the country, football places in the country, where the positivity rate is much, much higher. So we'll make determinations um, about how we keep our players safe uh, based on where we are at the moment uh, as we deal with a novel uh, and emerging virus. D, as you look at Baltimore, Denver, to a degree, Tennessee, some of the things that have happened, obviously, with the protocol and the violations, how difficult is it for you and the PA to get to some of these individuals on these teams to get them to understand the importance <laughs> of safety because we continuously are seeing things happen that look like as most people would think it's a little reckless on our players behavior. Yeah. Well, the, the first thing I, I would do if I could snap my fingers is to send you back in the hall of the locker rooms, but um, it, it's tough. Um, this is again, a virus that's beatable. I mean, we should all get our heads around the fact that we don't have to be ignorant about how we address um, this virus. We don't have to be dogheaded about how we address this virus. Early on, um, we, we knew that if we wear masks, socially distance, engage in, in mass testing, and have a um, dedicated and thorough approach to contact tracing, that, that operations in the, in, the, in the environment of a pandemic can in most circumstances occur in a safe way. When you decide that you're not going to have an effective contact tracing system, or people decide that they're not gonna socially distance, or they're not going to wear masks, we've seen what happens not only in football, but in our country. Um, So as we finish out these few weeks, um, we've spent a lot of time talking to our players. I frankly have probably enjoyed football this year uh, more than almost any year that I've, I've been in this job uh, because I have seen the majority of our players and our staff um, adopt procedures that, that frankly our entire country should have adopted a lot earlier. And, and look, we have, we have the ability and, and so far we have uh, obtained the, the, the opportunity to watch great football, to have players um, continue to do things that they love um, at an extremely high level. I mean, the, the games on Thursday night, the games on, on Monday night were, were fantastic. Um, but if we can do those things in an environment um, that is this challenging, uh, I love it when our, our, our staff and our players um, adhere to those rules and, and set a great example for the country. But at the same time, to your point, uh, is it disappointing when we know that, that 
some strength coaches weren't wearing contact tracers or weren't wearing masks, or we see instances where players aren't wearing masks and they put themselves at risk and put their teams at risk, those things become tough to watch. But um, they should all be examples that we can do better. Um, and, and what we've been able to accomplish this far in the National Football League um, should be an example of how um, applying ourselves to science um, and, and having a, a firm way of thinking about getting through this can actually work. That's really, really well said in this first-person piece that was in Sports Illustrated that I encourage anybody to go check out. You did say, quote, that transmission is the enemy, and the line that I thought that was the best was, quote, there will still be tough decisions and perfect problems with imperfect solutions. In other words, nobody's going to be happy 100% of the time. Everybody just needs to get on the same page and put safety first. Demoris, thank you for joining thank us this morning. Thanks a lot, D-Man, thanks, for coming on. Appreciate uh, you, brother. Happy holidays, fellas. You too, Same to you. Really good information from one of the most powerful guys in sports. He's right in the thick of it. On the way, the fellas react to what you just heard from Demoris Smith and big breaking news on the injury front for a 17-time NBA champion. That's next. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. It's a debate that continues to rage. Trying to play games, prioritizing over pigskin. Or is it the other way around, as some of the critics would say? Welcome back. Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin were presented by Progressive Insurance. It is giving Tuesday the start of V-Week and a couple of people that have been affected by cancer, I'm sure that's pretty much everyone out in the audience, directly or indirectly. A couple of notable athletes are going to join us. Demario Davis, whose daughter has gone through it. Terrific player for the New Orleans Saints. And then Ron Rivera, who you may know, battled lymphoma and has worked through it. And the Washington football team has thrown their support behind him. Coach Rivera will be here this morning at 9.30 a.m. Eastern for anybody that wants to donate. Indeed, riverboatronv.org slash donate now. V, of course, for the late great... Jim Valvano. We just spoke to Demora Smith, the NFL Players Association Executive Director, essentially the guy that will, for, for the most part, uh, represent all of the players, the 1,760 or so players that are in the league this year as roster sizes were bumped up just a little bit. And he made an interesting, surprising admission. It's not surprising on the surface when you look at the facts, but it is sort of surprising he said this considering where football lives in the American sporting culture. We're not an essential business. Um, we, we've tried to structure football around, can we keep our players safe? Can we put on um, a game our guys want to play or certainly our fans want to see it? Um, and we've structured the, the collective bargaining agreement uh, this year. But, you know, let's not forget that the real people um, who are fighting on the front lines are our doctors, our nurses, our, our first responders. 
Um, and, and those are a lot of people who are working under tough circumstances who, who aren't getting paid that much to begin with. And we certainly know that there's literally hundreds of um, millions of people out of work. So, you know, Keyshawn, we're going to work to make sure that um, things are fair for our players. Fellas, what do you make of that? Quite the admission, not surprising, but he did state it boldly. Yeah, it, it's not surprising at all. And I think that, you know, obviously the league and the NFLPA would love to put on the games as safe as possible. I mean, that, that you know, it's part of what they've been doing for over 100 years. And so when you look at it on the surface, I think that, you know, the NFLPA has an obligation for the players to look out for them the best they can. And the players have to follow where – in the NFL, on the NFL side, they're looking out for the owners and how much money they can make and not have to give back money. So to sit there and, you know, for us to think that it is a essential business is the wrong way to look at it. Mm-hmm. We don't have to have football. And, and I've said that from day one as far as college goes. It's like we don't need to play football. Let's get healthy first. Football's not going anywhere. You may have to push it back. We may miss a season. So what? Damar Smith is one of the smartest persons, uh, smartest people, smartest persons, okay. smartest people tired, um, that, I, that I've heard in a while because I think wording is extremely important, Zuna. Mm-hmm. So he labels it as saying we are not an essential business, but they're also a big business, oh. a global business. $15 billion a year. You have a lot of global, massive businesses that are not essential businesses that are still going on. So as much as I appreciate him and his wording, because he is correct, and he does give glory to the people that are actually on the front line, at the end of the day, big businesses businesses are pushing through. I mean, look, we're all in the room here in the midst of a pandemic, right? Like, we're forging through. This is the reality of the world that we live in. So like my thing is, and they still support thousands of people and families and local um, you know, local communities. They generate hundreds of millions of dollars of revenue. So it, it still is important. I look. I, I think the NFL is there. There's so many more players in the NFL than there are in the NBA. Right. It's easier for the NBA to be in the bubble. But I I do have to. I mean, look. He says we get lost in. You know, we don't talk about facts. The fact is, if if he is correct, if the positivity rate still is less than one percent. I mean, they're operating in the right capacity and they're doing. It seems like the best job they they're able to do thus far, in order to keep the business going. We should mention quickly, there's one piece of breaking NBA news here in our final 30 seconds of this hour. The Boston Celtics guard Kemba Walker received a stem cell injection in his left knee. He is out until the first week of January, that according to the Celtics themselves. On the way, revenge, revenge, revenge for one NFL stud wide receiver. Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. You can hear the show live weekdays at 6 Eastern on ESPN Radio, ESPN News, or wherever you stream your audio.
Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S dot com.